You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Weekend Wager, the Breeders' Cup Special, brought to you by America's Best Racing. Now, here's Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. That's right. This is a special hour brought to you by ABR, America's Best Racing, the one-stop shop. You want to wager on horse racing, it's the only place to go. They've got a plethora of information on uh, on how to wager and uh we are on the precipice well actually not the precipice uh, because uh, there were 10 races today at belmont uh, not belmont what am i talking about um the breeders cup i'm wishing it was belmont dan so i could be there dan torgeman joins us from america's best racing i'm so jelly you're out there on the west coast i'm watching here from the east coast i mean it was and let me tell you something dan it was hard because i was i was hosting not hosting but i was i was on daily wager today and so um you know i'm 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 putting bets in i'm looking at race number like I started at like race number six, seven, eight, nine, and you know I'm tr- I'm trying to contribute to a gambling show on ESPN, and I'm watching the races develop and unfold, and it was really exciting. I wish I could live vicariously through you. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Always good to be back uh, with you live here um, on this Breeders' Cup preview show. Um, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. For those who don't know, the Breeders' Cup um, is basically uh, the biggest event on the racing calendar outside of the racing Triple Crown. And you could argue that the Breeders' Cup is actually larger um, than any individual one race day because what the Breeders' Cup is is back-to-back days where they run 14 championship races and all the division champions are crowned. So all the, you know... The, the male horses, the female horses, the ones who run short distances, the sprinters, the one who run long distances, the route horses, the grass horses, the dirt horses, the younger horses, the older horses, they're, they're all crowned um, at the Breeders' Cup. And so what happens is that you have horses coming in from all over the world to compete, and it really presents some, some challenging um, handicapping races, and uh, but by the same token, also presents some really good opportunities to make some money. So it really is a gambler's paradise. That's that's an understatement. And again, I'm so jelly that you're out there. Um, I'm sure you had an absolute phenomenal time today. Um, just to break down the show for you. Uh, Dan and I are going to, uh, obviously, tomorrow, Saturday, is really is, is, is the big day. Uh, there were a lot of big races today, and, and, and I want to recap one in particular with you, Dan, in just a second. But we're, we're going to preview the Breeders' Cup Classic. That's the big race tomorrow, 8.40 p.m. Eastern time is the post time, and we're, we're going to go through quite a few horses. Also, Mark DiLorenzo is going to join us on the show. We'll talk about three of the biggest races tomorrow, the Distaff, the, cur- the, the turf and the classic as well and get some winners as well as some of the other races that we can expect to watch tune into and of course gamble on tomorrow but before we do that let's talk about race number nine 
uh, today. Right. And um, and and I know that, you know, we uh, we talked about, you know, America's best racing. I contribute. Uh, Jonathan Kitchen as well contributes. And we were really big on Jack Christopher, who unfortunately was scratched today. Uh, this race typically is the best two year olds that sets up the horses that more than likely will be favored. Uh, going into the Kentucky Derby next season, which is really exciting. And unfortunately, uh, if you can kind of let's recap, why was Jack Christopher scratched and, and talk about the winner and, uh, and, and, and the crop of horses that we can be really excited about for next season, Dan? Yeah, so these things happen, right? Horses are withdrawn from races. Um, they're scratches in the interest of, of, of protecting them if they come up with with an injury or if they're just not 100%. And so that, that was the case with Jack Christopher. They decided um, that the horse really, um, especially being a two-year-old, um, has so much big racing ahead of him, especially in his three-year-old season. And, again, for those who don't know, you can only run the, in the Kentucky Derby and you can only run in the Triple Crown races when you're three years old. And all horses turn a year older on January 1st. So on January 1st, Jack Christopher will be three years old. He'll be eligible for all those big races. So, um, they decided let's give him a little bit of time, let's give him rest in the interest of the horse and and taking care of him. Uh, we'll give him a break. And what that uh, sort of resulted in was um, there was a showdown expected between Jack Christopher, who was the best horse from the East Coast this year, the best two-year-old horse, and the best horse from the West Coast, which was a horse named Corniche. Um, as it turned out, Corniche today went straight to the lead in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Didn't have anyone there to challenge him on the lead, as Jack Christopher would have. And um, somewhat predictably, Corniche ended up drawing off and, and winning pretty powerfully. So um, he essentially, you know, is automatically now propelled to, to favoritism for the Kentucky Derby next year. Of course, it's a long season and a lot can happen between now and then. The other wrinkle in this, though, is that uh, you may have heard that Bob Baffert is currently um, banned from running horses at Churchill Downs and, and has been, you know, uh, has been kind of put on notice that his horses next year will not be eligible to run in the Kentucky Derby. That's what Churchill Downs has said. And so this horse, Cornish, is trained by Bob Baffert. Um, and so uh, that leads, leads for some, you know, some interesting, uh, I think, drama that, that's yet to unfold going into later this year and early next year before the, before the Triple Crown. So, yeah, but the, the result was one that was somewhat predictable once Jack Christopher was withdrawn. Corniche won, and he sets himself up now as, as the division leader heading into uh, you know, derby season next year. Uh, a few other horses that I had my eye on, uh, Papa Cap, Giant Game, and Commander Performance, and those three horses finished second, third, and fourth. So uh, really exciting uh, because it, it looks like next season is, is, is going to be really competitive and really exciting in regards to the crop of horses that will be competing. Uh, but let's start looking forward to tomorrow. And the biggest race, as we've been talking about, Dan, is the Classic. Um, and, and let's start with, uh, let's start with Nick's go the five horse, right? Because this is the horse. It's the fastest horse in this race. And, uh, and, and the favorite here, tell us all the reasons why. Yeah. So Nick's go is, is an interesting horse. When he was two years old, um, he ran some really big races and he was a long shot. Um, he ran a, a race, um, at, at Keeneland in Kentucky in which he was 70 to one and he ended up finishing second, 
He came back, ran another big big race after that at the Breeders' Cup, but he kind of trailed off a little bit in his in his three year old year, um, and then going into last year, he just turned into a new horse. And really, his his mo his his trademark is the fact that as of you know at least as of last year, you would always see him just go right to the lead, and so that's what he does. He's a speed horse, gets to the front. It's hard to keep up with him. If, if you're the trainer or the jockey of another horse in any race with them, you say, hey, let's just, you know, let's go pressure him and see if we can, you know, kind of wear him down. It, it's, it's useless because there's no way to keep up with him and then have anything left in reserve for the end of the race. And so um, I think, you know, what you know, we've seen play out a few times is, is him, uh, Nick's go, getting to the front, you know, uh, getting to the front early, not getting pressured. And in those instances um he's impossible to catch um we've seen him lose two races this year but one of them was in a race where he shipped to saudi arabia so you could kind of forgive him for that um and then another one was his first race back from saudi arabia where he finished fourth in that race as well but other than that he's been just about perfect so the favoritism is warranted i mean he's won just about every single race uh, over the past two years and he's done it in dominant fashion now in terms of kind of you know, caution uh, that you, you throw out there. I mentioned if there's another horse to press them, that kind of changes the dynamics a little bit. And in this race, we had Medina Spirit, who's the Kentucky Derby winner, whose MO is also going right to the lead. So that sets up for a potential clash of speed horses, and that could potentially lead to one or both of them, uh, you know, sort of becoming tired late. And with Nick's go, you could really see a situation where potentially if he's ever going to get tired late and get passed by a horse or horses late, it might be on Saturday in the Classic, especially when you consider he's never run the distance that the Breeders' Cup Classic is being run at, which is a mile and a quarter. This will be uh, the longest distance he's ever run. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's entirely possible that with enough pressure from Medina Spirit, or if Medina Spirit gets some lead as opposed to Nick's go, maybe that throws Nick's go off his game a little bit. Okay, so that's Nick's go. You just broke down Medina Spirit, so hopefully uh, they kind of they counter one another. And uh, there, there's a lot of love for Hot Rod Charlie right now, and that is the three horse. Tell us why. So Hot Rod Charlie is just a great story. Um, he's owned by a bunch of former uh, you know, college buddies from uh, from Brown University, um, a bunch of guys who just got into um, they're in their late twenties and early thirties. They just got into horse ownership a few years ago. It's just one of these feel-good stories. And um, on top of it, they're contributing money to a lot of great co- causes, including melanoma research. They're supporting um, the, the, the scholarships tied to Jake Panis, who was a 16-year-old who passed away tragically in a car accident. And so they're doing a lot of things uh, with, with the spotlight that they've had with this horse, who's taken them on an incredible ride this year, uh, winning um, at a similar distance and then running a really, really good race uh, in the Kentucky Derby. And ever since the Kentucky Derby, he's been really, really good as well. He's kind of matured, and you see that with some of these horses, especially three-year-old horses over the course of the season. They can mature and improve dramatically, and that's what we've seen from Hot Rock Charlie. He has shown the ability to win when he's on the lead. He's also shown the ability to sit just behind the leaders, and um, he won in pretty impressive fashion his last race, the Pennsylvania Derby. Uh, the race prior to that, he crossed the finish line first in the Haskell, 
but he was disqualified because of an incident where he um, interfered with another horse, but he was still the best horse that day. And so um, he comes in really riding, I think, the most momentum of any horse in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, the four horse, Essential Quality. This is the horse that I anticipate to win. I think a number of people do as well. Um, of course, if they're, if, if, if the, if the trainer, um, not the trainer, but the jockey really rides a, uh, you know, a, a, a strategic ride to say the less, Be- of course, based on the way that you've kind of like, like painted this, this picture in regard to how this race is going to pan out. Right, Dan? Yeah. And I think that's what you have to do, right? As you're piecing it together, as you're trying mm-hmm. to game out, how a race is going to potentially unfold. You got to look at where the horses are going to be at the various stages of the race. And that's when you look at essential quality, he's one of these horses who has no problem settling down behind horses that are potentially battling for the lead and then making his move late, making that one big late run. And so he's got the right running style. He's also um, been nearly perfect in his career. He's eight for nine lifetime. The only race that he lost, was in the Kentucky Derby where he really ran probably the best race of any horse, but because he was out wide, he covered more ground. He had a more difficult trip in the Kentucky Derby, and so he lost by a length, finishing fourth there. But other than that race, he's been perfect. He's eight for nine. So, I mean, that's not that's not common um, with horses running in, in all top-level races for them to be eight, eight out of nine. And so, um, look, the reason I think maybe there's not a little more excitement about him is because when he wins, he doesn't do those big blowout wins where he's running away from all the other horses and, you know, you know the, the jockey can stand up and smile to the camera for his photo, right? He, he does it like just barely getting up at, you know, in time to win by a neck or, or by a half a length or by a length. And so he, he does, he's not flashy. He's not flashy in that way. He just kind of gets the job done. And so, um, you know, we'll see if he's got another big race in him. The only reason I'm sort of, um, you know, I, I'm sort of doubting him a little bit because it's been a long year for him and because I think while a horse like Hot Rod Charlie is showing clear improvement from race to race and I feel is maturing, I think essential quality is sort of at the point where he's kind of leveling out a little bit and he's still a really good horse, but I don't see him being progressive and, make, and, make, and making another big step after this race. Uh, Dan, two more horses I just want to tee up for you because we've heard their name uh, and, and we've discussed their name. We've talked about them at length uh, on ABR, and that's Art Collector as well as Max Player. What are your thoughts on these two horses tomorrow in the Classic? So Art Collector is interesting. His jockey in his last three races was Luis Saez. Um, Luis Saez is the rider of Essential Quality, so we had the choice, right? He can go with Art Collector or Essential Quality. It's really a no-brainer. He went with Essential Quality. And the reason is, even though Art Collector has won three straight races, um, he's just, you know, he hasn't been able to, to hang consistently with this caliber of horse um, that, that he's going to find on Saturday in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Now, granted, he gets Mike Smith, who's the all-time winningest jockey in Breeders' Cup history. So if you're going to lose a jockey like Luis Saez, it's not too bad to pick up Mike Smith, who's a legend. Um, that being said, Art Collector has won those last three races where he's really kind of hit his stride, being on the lead or being close to it. But he wasn't going nearly as fast as they're going to be going on Saturday. 
Um, and, and he wasn't facing nearly the kind of horse he's going to be facing on Saturday. So I think he gets a different kind of test on Saturday, and I don't think our collector uh, will be up to it. Uh, Max Player is another one who's interesting. He's also one who's kind of had a lot of opportunities against really, really good horses. Um, it, it wasn't until his most recent races where he started to actually put the pieces together and win. Um, but, you know, I, I do question some of the horses he's beaten. He won a race called the Jockey Club Gold Cup last out. He beat a horse named Happy Saver and another horse named Forza Oro. In the race prior, he also beat Happy Saver and a horse named Mystic Guide. These are kind of horses that are sort of good horses, but, but sort of mid-tier horses. You know, you wouldn't even consider them for a moment in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And so, um, for me, when I look at Max Player, I think it's just a question of the competition he's been in against and whether he can keep his game at that elevated level against the likes of Nick's Go, Medina Spirit, Essential Quality, Hot Rod Charlie. He is Dan Torgman from America's Best Racing, Amanita Marks. This is a special edition of We Can Wager. It is our Breeders' Cup preview show brought to you by America's Best Racing. When we come back, Mark DiLorenzo is going to join us as well, another handicapper, and we're going to break down the three biggest races tomorrow, the Distaff, the Turf, and the Classic. We'll get Dan as well as Mark's winners. We'll also open up the phone lines. If you want to chime in, we'd love to hear from you, 800-919-3776. And also, just a reminder, make sure you join Chris Carlin this Sunday, November 7th, for a live broadcast and a Giants viewing party at Resorts World Catskill Sportsbook 360. The live broadcast begins at 11 a.m. and goes until kickoff of the Giants-Raiders game. It's all from Resorts World Catskills. Bet on sports, win big on live table games, and feast at celebrity-inspired restaurants. Visit rwcatskills.com. We'll continue with our Breeders' Cup preview show from ABR next, right here on 98.7 ESPN. That's right. We're getting you ready for tomorrow. I'm pumped. I'm crumped. So is Dan Torgman. So is Mark DiLorenzo. Guys, let's break it down. Mark, welcome to the program. How you doing, man? Giddy up, Nita. I'm ready. <laughs> Christmas in November. Let's go. Giddy up, baby. All right. So uh, a plethora of races tomorrow, but the three big ones, race number 10 is the Distaff. Race number 11 is the uh, the Breeders' Cup Turf. And race number 12, of course, is the Classic, which Dan and I just spent the, the first 20 minutes of the show kind of breaking down a number of the, the, the horses that are expected, one of them expected to win. But gentlemen, let's start with race number 10, and that's the Distaff. Uh, Mark, let, let's let's go to you. Kind of break it down for us. What's the horse that you anticipate to win? And and also, how are you playing this? Exact a box, all that good stuff. Break it down for us, my friend. I love the race 10 British Cup Distaff. I love number three, Malafat. I'm making the biggest bet maybe of the year on Malafat. Malafat is a three-year-old filly who hasn't raced in 77 days. She's going to be bigger, stronger, more developed as three-year-olds get later in the year. Uh, she's going to set a perfect trick. The favorite is number five, Latruska, who's going to get pressed on the front end by a, a plethora of horses. And it's going to set up perfectly for number three, Malafat, who's training very strong leading in, is a super talented uh, three-year-old filly, she won the Kentucky Oaks earlier in May, earlier this year in May. That is the Kentucky Derby for the female three-year-olds. 
and she won it impressively. This horse is, I've liked this entire year, and I didn't want to love her because I've loved her all year, and I said, all right, she's facing older for the first time, but looking at this field, she's going to set the absolute perfect trip. She's going to be a decent price at probably around four or five to one, and I'm making a massive win bet on Malafat number three. Dan, how are you playing this? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a good sign or bad sign, but I agree with every word Mark said. <laughs> and I'm also impressed with his energy level after this long Breeders' Cup day one. He sounds like he just woke up. <laughs> I know, God right? Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I like I like Malisad a lot, too, for a lot of the same reasons that Mark mentioned. She's six for seven lifetime. The only time she lost, she was actually awkwardly um, on the front end of a race, and she doesn't usually like to r- run you know, on the lead but she happened to inherit the lead in a small field there. She took a lot of pressure and then was just barely beaten late. Um, any race that's been kind of fairly run where she's had an opportunity to run at some pace, as Mark indicated there would be, uh, that there's a horse private mission down on the rail. who has got a lot of speed. There's also she there's the devil who was last year's Kentucky Oaks winner who's got a lot of speed. There's a horse named Horologist who's got speed. So there's going to be speed. Um, and, you know, I think it, it definitely sets up to benefit a horse like Malathat. And the other horse I like here quite a bit is Royal Flag, who has a very similar running style, maybe be a little farther off the pace. And the question is, and Mark will tell you this as much as anybody, you got to really kind of pay attention uh, earlier in the day. This is going to be the 10th race of the day. There will be nine other races run. Uh, about half of them will be on the dirt. And oftentimes what you see on, week, on weeks and on days where there are big races like this, especially at, at a track like Del Mar, you see um, the dirt track tending to favor speed horses. So it does become a little bit of a challenge at times for horses to close from off the pace. I think Malathat can be close enough to maybe, you know, where that wouldn't affect her as much. A horse like Royal Flag is someone who's going to be a deeper closer. She's the two horse. And, you know, I get a little more scared if if you see, you know, all the other dirt horses, the horses going to the lead, going really fast, and then staying there. Um, So, uh, yeah, but for me, I'm Malathat with Royal Flag. Those will be my exactas and a long shot play that I like is Dunbar Road on the outside, the 11 horse. So you might throw that one into your exactas or trifectas. Dunbar Road is another horse who runs from off the pace. And again, we'll need the track to be playing fair in order to have a chance. So, so just, so just out of curiosity, you know, Latruska, um, you know, five-year-old has won five straight, seven of eight, um, you know, a, a lot of love for that horse. It doesn't seem like either you are big on her. Why is that? Mark, you take this one. Well, I think, look, like, like Dan was kind of saying, uh, when I when I handicap these races, I the, the very first thing that I look at is the pace of the race. Because when you're a horse that wants to be on the lead, and there are other horses that also want to be on the lead. If there's another one or two, once there's two, three, or four horses, they're going to get pressed and use up more energy early to be tired later. And I think that's kind of what's going to happen with Latruska, who is a very talented five-year-old mare. She's also run a lot of races this year. She's set some very nice trips being forward, kind of loose on the lead. Uh, I, I, Latruska is a horse that I'm going to use underneath Malafat, but I think that she's going to get pressed by... Uh, number one private mission that Dan mentioned, the other Bob Backward horse, number nine, as time goes by, number eight, she shares a devil. So she's going to get pressed early. And if she takes care of those speed horses, re-breaks and clears, I'll tip my cap and move on to the next race. 
I want a horse that's going to be sitting mid-pack, tip out, and clear, and that's going to be Malifat. That's why I'm making a huge bet. Um, really quick before we take our, our next break, and we're going to come back and we'll dive into the uh, the, the uh, Cup turf and, and, of course, the Cup Classic, but uh, just, just to confirm, weather conditions out there tomorrow, you guys are out there, it's supposed to be nice, no problems, uh, great weather, perfect for a lot of speed. Sunny and beautiful, sunny and beautiful. Sunny, yeah. sunny and beautiful. I love it. I love it. Okay, perfect. All right. Uh, quick break. We come back. Uh, we'll dive into the uh, the Cup Turf as well as the Cup Classic. Get you some winners. Um, Anita Marks and uh, Dan Torgman, uh, Mark DiLorenzo. This is uh, Weekend Wager. Yeah. Very special, special preview uh, for the Breeders' Cup. Getting you ready for Saturday from America's Best Racing. Still a lot more coming your way. 98.7 ESPN. Getting you ready for tomorrow, Saturday. A lot of action happening out there on the left coast. Dan Torgman from America's Best Racing. Mark DiLorenzo joining us from uh, Giddy Up Bets. And we're breaking it all down. We just dove into race number 10. Let's look at race number 11, and that's the Breeders' Cup turf. Mark, let's start with you. Who's your winner? How are you playing this when you walk up to the window? The winner of race 11 tomorrow, the British Cup turf, is going to be number 12 at Tiona. T-E-O-N-A is a three-year-old facing older, and she is a European runner that is getting bigger, faster, and stronger every year. uh, Excuse me, every race this year. And it's the type of horse that I really, really look for in these type of races. These Breeders' Cup turf races, let me back up, these top-level turf races in the United States. The United States has very good turf horses, but their better horses have really been on the dirt. The best horses in the world on the turf usually reside in Europe, and that's kind of where I start to look for the horse that's going to win this caliber of race, which is the British Cup Turf Race 11 tomorrow. And this horse, number 12, Fiona, is a three-year-old that's improving. Uh, The biggest turf race in Europe... uh, I think it's the biggest turf, maybe the biggest turf race in the world is the Arc de Triomphe, which this horse was supposed to run in a few weeks ago, but it decided not to run because the ground, the turf course was soft. And the trainer and ownership group said that this horse does not prefer soft ground. The harder the ground, the firmer the ground, the better. And like I just said on the offset, uh, it's going to be sunny and beautiful in sunny Del Mar. And the turf course there is nice and firm. And nice and hard for this horse to run on tomorrow. You're going to get about six to one, maybe a little bit better than that, because the number 13, Tarnawa, who won this race last year, is going to get heavily bet. A few others are going to make a heavily bet. I think I'm going to get a good price. I'm going to make a big win bet on number 12, Tiana. Tarnawa is a horse that I'd like to use underneath and exactly the trifectas, and I'm also going to use number one, Rock Emperor, who's by World's. Uh, pretty much the best turf trainer in the United States in Chad Brown, who draws the rail. We saw the rail runners be uh, do very well today while they dropped the rails from 30 feet to zero feet uh, from Wednesday and Thursday, leaving the inside pass a little bit better to run on. So I think this horse has a, has a shot to get underneath, but I'll be betting number 12, Tiana. Dan? Yeah, I like where Mark's at with uh... – uh, Tiona, I, I think, you know, uh, to the point he made earlier about European horses, uh, since 2007, only 
three American horses have won this race. The rest have been international runners who have shipped in and won this race. So that's enough, I think, of, uh, of a stat line that, that to give you confidence that generally the Europeans have an edge in this race. And a lot of them, like this horse, Tiona in particular, for months campaign specifically to win a big race, whether it's a group one like the, the, the Arc de Triomphe or if it's this one. And so this one is sitting on, I think, uh, you know, a pretty big race. Um, my only concern with Tiona and Tarnawa, who won this race last year, uh, Tarnawa being the 13 horse, is that, um, again, circling back to what Mark said, you had to be really on the inside part uh, of the track uh, near, near the rail and making a move on the inside. You can't make this sort of wide-sweeping, floating-out move, uh, rallying from off the pace. And the thing is, when you're in the number 12 and 13, you tend to get stuck out wide. And so that would be my only concern with both of those horses. It's just that the turf course just doesn't seem friendly to horses who are making wider moves. So their jockeys are going to have to navigate sort of creative trips to keep them closer to the inside so that they're not, when they're rallying at the end, they're not coming wide, you know, um, and potentially uh, kind of running on the worst part of the track where the inside is, is the best. I will just throw out one other European horse. This is a horse um, that was bred in France. Um, and who has ridden mostly, uh, who most of his races have been in Germany. Um, and we don't really, you know, see too many horses from Germany come in, nor are we familiar with how horses with German, from Germany would stack up against um, Europeans, let alone American horses. So it's a bit of a tough read. Um, but I think an interesting horse, just watching a couple of replays, would be the nine-horse Sisfahan, um, a horse who I think... Um, has a pretty nice turn of foot, which is the phrase we use for a horse that has like really good acceleration. Once they're ass, they kind of take off and fly. I think this Fahan looks really good visually. Now he's been running against horses in Germany that, that, that probably would not stack up favorably against most of the horses in this race. But you got to believe, uh, you know, when you when you see a kind of move like this, that you, you don't just ship a horse overseas just just to run for fun, right? I mean, these are people who believe this horse um, has a shot at winning. And so for me, Sisfahan is one who's um, is going to be a much bigger price. Is is definitely being overlooked, and I think fits the profile of a horse who can win this race. So I'll probably be playing exactas with Tiona, uh, with Sisfahan, uh, Tarnawa to a lesser extent, and then in terms of you know the U.S. based horses or the sort of hybrid horses who have run in North America, um, Walton Street is a horse who ran. Um, at Woodbine in his most recent races, which is a, a track at, in Toronto and ran just a massive race. Um, trainers, Charlie Appleby, um, who won today, he has like an incredible record at shipping horses over to the U S and winning. So Walton street for me, I think is an intriguing horse. That's the seven horse. So to recap all the horses, uh, that's the nine horse Sisfahan, uh, the 12 Tiona, the 13 Tarnawa and the seven Walton street. Gentlemen, before we move on to the classic, just out of curiosity, why why is that? Why why do horses uh, outside of the United States run better on turf than here in the United States? Do we know? Yeah, I mean, I I think it, it's just you know I, I think it really um, it does boil down to pedigree and training, and so uh, you know you have some of the best um, turf. Stallions are, are based in in Europe. Um, that that's really that you have a lot of uh, courses out there that, that are primarily or exclusively geared toward um, races uh, on the turf, and that's really where like where the most prestigious 
you know, uh, races are run. They, 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 they just don't have big, massive dirt tracks uh, in Europe that are considered uh, prestigious, uh, you know, uh, like we do. We, we've always valued dirt here, right, the, the, the Kentucky Derby, the Triple Crown, so forth and so on. So I think it's just um, – I think it's a matter of history – it's sort of bleeding into, um, you know, sort of the circumstances surrounding, um, you know, pedigree and the types of stallions that you would find out there as well. Um, and we've got, you know, we've got fine turf horses here. And, and I think it also varies by, by distance and by age. Like we, you know, some, some of the other turf races run at the Breeders' Cup, they're not dominated by, by European horses. The shorter races, the sprints, we tend to breed here in America for, for, for speed. And so we tend to breed better sprinters running shorter distances, whereas in Europe, um, they, they tend to breed more for endurance and running longer distances. And so that's where I think in a race like this one, the longest race at the Breeders' Cup, it's a mile and a half on the turf. It really is sort of the bread and butter of European racing. It's so fascinating, uh, and, and I appreciate uh, the explanation, Dan. Thank you so much. All right, so now we've, uh, we've, we've saved the best for last. Well, not really last, last, because we're with you until midnight tonight, but um, it is the Breeders' Cup Classic. This is the ultimate championship race for all the male horses, $6 million, Right. Like this is the best horse of the year. Mark, let's get back to you. How are you playing this? Who wins it? And uh, and again, as I always like to say, uh, how are you playing it when you walk up to the window? Yeah, this is a very competitive uh, Breeders' Cup Classic. Uh, There's a few horses in here that I think could win the race. But how I'm going to bet the race when I'm walking up to the window there's going to be three horses that I'm going to uh, box around and play in exactos and tries. And there's one horse in a big price I'm going to bet a few bucks to win on. And that's number one, Tripoli. Uh, Tripoli, based in Southern California. The horse is going to be probably, the morning line is at 15 to 1. I think he's going to get lost on the board, as, they, as I like to say. He's probably going to go off around 20 to 1 or so. Uh, his speed figures are right there with a lot of the horses in this race. He draws the rail. Uh, last time out, he was against a very big inside speed bias where uh, you saw he ran in the same race as number eight, Medina Spirit, who's your uh, quasi-derby winner uh, last time. And he was very wide. Medina Spirit was with the bias, being on the front end, on the rail. And this horse was very wide against it. And two back in the Pacific Classic, which is uh, the best horse, best race for older colt horses out in Southern California, the field wasn't as good as this, but he ran really well, and his, his, his speed figure came back just as fast as a lot of these horses in here that are going to be a much shorter price. So number one, Tripoli is a horse, and I'm very interested. I'm going to bet a few bucks to win on. Uh, but the, the two horses that are going to be a little bit shorter of a price that I am also going to use with Tripoli are number three, Hot Rod Charlie, is a three-year-old improving at the right time, ran a massive race, in Pennsylvania at the PA Derby, which is a straight three-year-old race for a million dollars about a month and a half ago. Very, very talented horse. Howard Charlie ran second to number four, Essential Quality, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. That was for when they were two. They ran one-two in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile last year. And those two horses, number four, Essential Quality, number three, Howard Charlie, look like the horses to beat in this race from from, in my opinion, Essential Quality uh, won the Belmont Stakes, won the Travers, is 
supposedly doing better than ever. It's going to send a very nice trip. I think there's going to be a lot of speed in the race, similar to the distaff, which I talked about. Malifat, I want a horse that's going to be mid-pack, tip out, make one run while it's you know partially forward in the track, and that's kind of where essential quality and hot rod Charlie likes to be. Uh, the favorite in the race, Mixco, I have, is a horse that I've liked for a very, very long time. I continue to to bet this horse and continue to win, even though the, the odds are ultra short. I've tried to find ways to press my strongest opinion and win with this horse. But he's stretching out for the longest distance for the first time. He's going to take pace pressure, and I'm just against him. So that's a favorite that I just don't like, especially on the in the on-top spot uh, in pick fours and pick fives. I'm going to be against Nick's go, who's going to be a short price. And Medina Spirit, who won the Kentucky Derby, similar to Nick's go. It's going to, it, those two horses are speed. They're going to battle each other out early. They're going to tire. It's going to leave the door open for either number one, Tripoli, number three, Hot Rod Charlie, number four, Central Quality. Those are kind of my three. I'll be betting at the window and exactos and tries. I'm going to bet a few bucks to win on Tripoli to win at probably around 20 to one. All right, Dan, you and I opened up the show. We talked about a lot of these horses. Now it's time to tell us how you are going to play this race. Yeah, I think, you know, I like Triple A a lot as well. I, I don't see him as a as a win contender, but I see him as a horse who's going to be um, making some noise late in the race. Um, I, I really am uh, pretty high on Hot Rod Charlie here, and, and I haven't been really a, a big Hot Rod Charlie cheerleader. I mean, I've loved his career all year, but I haven't been one who has, like, been, like, betting him race after race this is really the first time going in like really confident in him because i do think he's improving race to race and i think this race should set up for him with the anticipated pace that's going to be put on by nicks go and medina spirit but i will say i I really think medina spirit is a is a really brave and gutsy horse who probably doesn't get nearly enough credit and who's probably um you know gets a little bit taken away from him every time just because of the controversy surrounding um, you know, the Kentucky Derby and, and, and everything else that's going on there that's still sort of, um, you know, I guess under under review and, and pet, you know, ultimate outcome uh, related to the drug positive in the Derby. But you, you've set all that aside. You watch this horse's races. He does not let horses go by him. It doesn't matter how fast he goes. Um, he will, he refuses to let horses go by him. So, I think even the freakness where they put pressure on him relentlessly throughout that race, that was the only time we saw horses pass him in the stretch, and he only let two horses go by, and he still held on pretty pretty strongly for third. Um, I think Medina Spirit goes. He's going to get the pressure from Nick's go. He's going to probably get a run from, from essential quality, um, and I think he, he could potentially hold them all off, and I think the only one who's capable of going by is Hot Rod Charlie. So, I'm pretty big on just kind of playing an exact uh, Hot Rod Charlie, Medina Spirit, 3-8. And then I'll actually use my trifectas. I'll use Tripoli to fill out the trifecta, finishing third. Um, And I think Nick's go is is just too too quality a horse to to say, you know what, he's not going to be a factor. And so, you know, in deeper, you're kind of going, you want to add one or two horses to that third leg uh, or to that third uh, spot in your trifecta. I think Nick's go is sort of obviously a logical contender to, to, to finish in the top three as well. Great stuff, gentlemen. Uh, Mark, so great having you join us on the show. Really do appreciate your time. Uh, good luck tomorrow. And again, if, if you can, let our listeners know exactly. Uh, Giddy Up Bets, how can they find you? Social media, your your website. Um, kind of give them all your information, please. Yes. Uh, 
I started GiddyUpBets.com a few years ago. I give analysis out on every single horse that's running for Breeders' Cup Day and every single weekend in the New York, Florida, Kentucky, California tracks. You can find me at GiddyUpBets.com, sign up. You get all the emails for free during the week on the weekend because I <laughs> only so many people that can bet. I charge a small fee. On Twitter, it's at GiddyUpBets. And, Nita, I really appreciate you having me on. And, Dano, good luck this weekend. Dano's out in California living the good life. I'm still here in Jersey uh, being a little cold. But uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to win together tomorrow because I see our opinions are a little in line. And I like that. When Dan has an opinion and my opinion line, he's uh, one of the sharpest guys around. And when we both like the same type of horses, uh, it makes me want to bet even more. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're not a little in line. You guys are a lot in line. Uh, and I'm taking notes as uh, as as I'm hosting the show with you two fine gentlemen. Mark, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Stay tuned. When we get back, our final segment, Dan and I will touch on a few other races uh, tomorrow. Uh, just, you know, we'll call them appetizers. How about that, Dan? We'll, we'll touch on some appetizer races before, of course, the big three that we just broke down for you. You're listening to We Can Wager Special Edition uh, Breeders' Cup Preview Show brought preview show brought to you by America's Best Racing right here on 98.7 ESPN. That's right. It is We Can Wager brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports special edition. Getting you ready for the Breeders' Cup. Of course, a number of races today. Big day tomorrow on Saturday. uh, And uh, America's Best Racing. Uh, with us uh, for the preview show and Dan Torgman and I. Dan, we've got about three minutes left in the show. There are two more races I want to tee up for you for tomorrow, and that's race number five, and that's the turf sprint and a long shot, the eight-horse Caravel. Uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot of excitement around this horse. Again, only five furlongs, and when this horse races, it's a female going up against the men, but five furlongs, she's 4-0. and Talk about her. Do you like her in race five? Yeah, she, she loves the distance. She also loves firm ground. Um, she likes it when there's no rain, when it's dry. Um, in her last race, the, the, the turf course was a little wet, and she just didn't take to it, so she didn't run well. In the race prior, she ran at Woodbine. She didn't take to that course either. But if you go back beyond that, she has run some huge races, which could potentially put her in the winner's circle here. It could be the weekend of Bobby Flay, by the way. He won a Breeders' Cup race today, and he actually bought a portion of, he bought a share of, uh, of Caravelle, a large share of her, uh, a couple of races back because he saw the potential in her. So celebrity chef Bobby Flay potentially in for a really big weekend. Yeah, I, I saw him exciting uh, today with his uh, what was it? Uh, some uh, Bianca Bianca pizza? pizza? What was it? Pizza, pizza Bianca, yeah. Pizza, pizza Bianca, pizza Bianca. There you go. Um, and uh, and and last but not least, again, we've got a minute thirty left in the show. Let's talk about race eight, and that's the Breeders' Cup Sprint, and a lot of a lot of love for Jackie's Warrior. Uh, this is a dirt race six furlongs um really only only one loss uh with jackie's warrior because of a bad start at the gate but very interesting you know i've got a lot of love for forenzy fire and ron lombardi who's a very dear friend of mine as long as jackie's warrior can avoid being bit could (laughs) right could (laughs) what break down race number eight for us 
you know, I, I love Forensic Fire, but I usually love him when he races in New York and Belmont specifically. Um, he hasn't been able to translate his success to other tracks. That's my only concern with him, but um, he's a great horse, a gutsy horse, and so, you know, you would think potentially he's got a shot if the pace is really hot, and again, the pace could be hot because Jackie's Warrior is super fast, but will be taking pressure here from a number of different horses. Um, I actually um, think that he's still good enough to hold on and win and, and, and just fend off everyone attacking him. I think Jackie's Warrior is probably still strong enough to win. I do like a couple of long shots underneath for your exactas. Jackie, Jackie's Warrior is the two horse. I like the number three, CZ Rocket, and the number seven, Lexitonian. So if you want to play an exacta with two, three, seven, um, I think you're, you'd be in good shape. I, I like those two horses and their, and their long shots as well. Dan, you rock. He's Dan Torgman. Amanita Marks. We also want to thank Mark DiLorenzo, who also joined us. Uh, this is your, your Breeders' Cup preview show brought to you by, brought to you by America's Best Racing. Uh, if you missed any portion of the show, it's going to be up as a podcast. We'll have it on all our social media accounts. Good luck tomorrow. Dan, I'm going to live vicariously through you. Enjoy tomorrow. Thank you so much to ABR. And Mar- Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Weekend Wager, the Breeders' Cup Special. Brought to you by America's Best Racing.